Hello everyone and welcome to the So Mindful podcast where we dig into the tips and topics that will help you have great fun making clothes that make you feel fabulous. I'm your host Jackie Blakemore of So Much More Fun and I can't wait to share this week's illuminating episode with you. So let's roll the tape. Hey everyone and thanks for tuning in. So last time I left you all wanting more in part one of my chat with the wonderful Claire Hutchinson. If you haven't already listened to episode 27 then I can highly recommend it and I've had loads of lovely feedback from listeners who also enjoyed it so thank you so much for sharing that. So in case you may not have listened to that yet I met Claire through a sewing course that we did a few years ago and as a fellow sewer and dressmaker we love talking about all things sewing. In our most recent chat, spread over these two episodes, our focus was on fabrics, and in particular, the art of buying fabric. By her own admission, Claire has quite the fabric stash, and so I thought, who better to ask for tips and tricks on buying fabric than Claire? So in part two, Claire shares her formula for how to work out how much fabric to buy if you see something irresistible in the shop but haven't decided on your final pattern yet. She also gives some brilliant project ideas to use up your scraps and we talk about the best ways to store your fabrics. In the previous episode we explored Claire's views on patterned fabric versus plain and in this part of our chat we talk about the benefits of using textured fabrics and how to create interest with haberdashery and accessories. And to top it all off Claire shares what's on her upcoming sewing project list calling out some great patterns and ideas for which I've put all the links into the show notes. It's always fab to talk all things dressmaking with Claire and so I hope you enjoy the part two of this episode as much as I did recording it. I've kept you waiting long enough so let's dive in. And so one of the things that we talked about how do you work out how much fabric to buy so if you're not making for a specific particular you know pattern you might have the type of garments in mind that you might want to make so you mentioned before about you have a rule around that so what what's your thoughts on how you decide how much to buy? Yeah, this has probably come from Alison, actually. It's usually three or five metres. So with three, I can get sort of a pair of trousers and maybe a dress out of that. With five, I'm going to get maybe two dresses and two pairs of trousers. But if you, if you buy one metre or two metres, it, it, you, you've never quite got enough to make two things. So you've always got some left over. But with this three and five rule, I find there's always enough to make full garments of whatever I need. But obviously three metres and five metres is quite a lot of fabric. So yeah. you've got to make sure you love it when you buy it. But, <laughs> uh, but that is what I do. I, I buy three or five unless I'm making for a specific pattern. And then I will buy just what it says on the pattern. But often patterns, you know, they don't need as much fabric as they put on there. I'm just making a pair of Hudson tracksuit bottoms at the moment, the Hudson pants from True Bias. And it says 1.8, I think it's 1.8 metres or 1.7. Well, I've, I've just got it, got it out of 1.3 because the fabric was maybe a little, little bit wider or how you place the pieces on the fabric. So you can sort of save a bit there. So... With the three and five, you can put your pattern out on the fabric and then cut down it. So there is no waste then. You've always got enough for another project. And yeah. at the end of it, you probably end, only end up with about that much that you can't use. So and something else to do with the, you know, obviously the, the waste side of things is stuff things with the bits. So, so stuff things, that sounds really odd. But <laughs> a massive tailor's ham 
um, from it was a it was a sewing bee actually put the pattern in the book. So I'll have a go. I'll have a go at making that because you you need lots of different. I find I need lots of different seam rolls and and tailor's hands for shaping things and pressing things. And I was really short of a bigger one, so I made it. And my goodness, it holds so many scraps of fabric. But I was getting RSI by cutting them all off. <laughs> with my scissors so they were small enough to stuff in there I think you can probably see it in the background it's that mustard on the mustard the... one yeah on the back on the shelf <laughs> that and and then I've just where was I I think it was Helen's closet I was listening to a podcast that, that they'd done with Blackwood Fabrics and they said about making a poof so using all your scraps of fabrics to stuff a poof which can be a really you know an ongoing project so all you just keep stuffing all your scraps in there because that's you know you do have quite a bit of waste one way and another so using them up in a in a good way is is um, I always feel better about it I don't want to send it to the to the tip or wherever so yeah, yeah. definitely and I had a question from from one of the listeners from Zoe and uh, she was asking kind of about that sort of thing we were talking about the sewing failures that we talked about in the previous podcast but she was asking about kind of tidying her sewing room and the fact that she had a lot of scraps so Zoe if you're listening there you go you've got two projects now that you can start working on a tailor's ham and a poof so you'll be you'll be making homewares before you know it and getting that stuff out of your sewing room. <laughs> yeah fantastic and I was just looking at some other stuff as well because I was thinking of I'd quite like to make a little cap and things like hats and other little accessories again don't take a lot of fabric do they you can sort of get quite a bit out of you know less than less than half a meter or whatever so it just inspired yeah. me because I can see you've got a couple of hats kind of popped yes. up on the side haven't you over there <laughs> Yeah, they, they were from a, a vintage pattern that I got from an auction, like I was saying before. And I've made oh, I've made so many of them, given them as presents and all sorts of things. But it's a really lovely pattern. The one that's actually on the, the bobbin, it can be a rain hat or a sun hat or all sorts of things. But that tends to use a bit more fabric because it's got a wide brim. So you need a fairly big piece to get the brim out of. And it... Yeah. And, a couple of, of layers as well so but yeah but on the whole you can get it out of a small amount if you make a small amount <laughs> yeah and I've seen people talking about pants as well they're making knickers or out of little scraps of their they've got lots of jersey or those kind of fabrics so again looking for patterns like that that might help you sort of use up the leftovers as well if you've got those smaller pieces so the next thing I was going to ask you was around how you store your fabrics so one of the challenges that I have is that I forget I don't have huge amounts of fabric but it is stored in such a way that it's not always easy for me to see everything and so I can forget that I've got something or lose track of it so have you got any sort of thoughts on how you store and kind of keep a track of your fabrics? Yeah, well, this has been uh, <laughs> learned over time. I think I'm sure I must have told you this before, but I used to have we used to have um, this bed from IKEA, and it had like um, a storage box that went underneath the bed on runners, like rollers. So I started storing fabric under there years and years ago, and went on several fabric buying sprees. So the fabric was building up and up and up and up underneath the bed, and my husband just said one day, he said, "If you don't do something with that fabric, we're going to end up sleeping on the sea." <laughs> just getting more and more and more so then I experimented with putting it in the wardrobe but ran out of space and had it in drawers and then I you know needed the drawers to put things in so it was really difficult to find what to do with it 
But we did some house renovations and I ended up with a cupboard, which is brilliant. I have all shelves put in. And what I do now is I store all my fabric in plastic, see-through plastic boxes. So they're like the underbed storage boxes um, and you can stack them one on top of the other. And I've got about 21 of <laughs> these boxes. <laughs> and all my fabric is neatly folded into there. And it's brilliant because I can walk into the cupboard, open it up, turn the light on, and I can see every single fabric through there. And I think that actually allows your brain to start thinking about what you're going to make with those fabrics. So nothing nothing sits in there forever because it's always, you know, I'm always thinking about what could I use it for? How could I combine that with another fabric? You know, and what sort of outfit could that be? So you've always got these thoughts going on in the back of your brain. So if I'm, if I'm a bit bored, I'll actually go in, take the boxes out and I'll take the fabric out as well. <laughs> Give it a quick stroke. <laughs> that sounds very weird, but I think it's really nice to handle your fabrics and it's really relaxing as well. It's, it's a lovely, I think wars have been fought over fabric, haven't they? You know, empires have been built on fabric and it, I think it is part of our DNA really. And so all these different lovely fabrics make me feel very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think at a time when we are not being as tactile, maybe as we have been in the past, having something tactile like that, I think really you, you appreciate that a lot more, don't you? Being able to touch things yeah. and, and connect with them. I think that's really important. And so do you group them together? I mean, I'm getting into probably way too much detail here, but do you sort yeah. of group them by the type of fabric or by colours or how does that work? Well, this is another activity of mine because I, I keep, one day I'll think, oh, I'll put all the cottons and denims together. I'll put all the wools together. I'll put all the, you know, whatever, if I've got jerseys together. So by fabric type, and then another day I'll think, oh, I'll go and reorganise more because I want all the blues together. I want all the whites together. And so I'll literally spend half a day reorganising them. But that does help. It helps you to, to know what, you know, what goes together as well, because you can see them together. You can keep reorganising constantly and, and having different combinations. So, so yeah, there is. There is days when <laughs> I think, right, we'll go by fabric type and other days, right, we're going by colour. So, uh, yeah, it gets dizzy, I think, coming in and out the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> At least it feels, it feels it's getting some attention, though. That's good. I think yeah, it's, it doesn't yeah. feel lonely in there. That's, <laughs> I think that's important. You have to look after these things, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so we've talked about colours, but are there, you know, things like textures and stuff like that? Do you go for patterns in textures? Do you, do you know what I mean? So like the sort of Jacquardy type fabrics, is that your style or do you go with more flat fronted type fabrics? I would say that texture is really, really important for my sewing. So I might have, I don't know, 10 different types of fabric in black but there'll be a satin, there'll be, you know, a matte sort of cotton. So we've talked about denim or it might be a black wool. So I, I know in my head now, I already know I've got a Linton tweed, which is like a basket weave, quite loose because obviously Linton tweeds are. And it's like a little square, loose square and it's black. And it's that that is going to make a Chanel style jacket. And I've, I can already see I'm going to do the fringing out of the same fabric as well. And, you know, it's the weighting. So I know I've got that. I also know that I've got some black stretch silk, which has a, it's a satin weave. So I know that's going to be a possible blouse um, with like a nice sort of sleeve and a, a longer cuff. And then I've got, you know, sort of like a black denim, which can make a jean. So it sounds all very 
black, which it is, but because you've got all those different textures, it all goes together really well and it looks quite finished, quite polished when it's finished. So yeah, texture is really, really important, really important, more so than pattern for me, definitely. I think that's really, uh, really useful as well to think about. So if you're not the kind of person who can wear patterned, as in, you know, different coloured fabrics, it doesn't mean everything has to look plain and boring, does it? You can use things like textures or sheens or a combination of matte and sheen type fabrics uh, within the same outfit with your with your different colours to create that sense of difference between the different items, can't you? Yeah, and something else I do quite a lot is use a zip with a really nice sort of pull. So you've got maybe a shiny, quite long, shiny zip pull and and silver metal teeth, or you've used buttons that might be a metal effect. So to go with the black, I would perhaps pull it out altogether with these details with the notions. So, and that makes a big difference as well. So yeah, if you can't wear pattern, think texture I think that definitely is a way around it yeah and it just made me think about so I was on one of Alison's course with a a lady called Lynn and she had some it was like a green I think it was like a kind of wool type fabric and she was making a biker style jacket and she had gone for a mustard colored zip so she'd sourced these zips she ended up going to the states for them I think but but she created a contrast and a point of interest, even though the fabric was, the fabric had a little bit of texture in, you know, in the kind of weave of it. But again, you can just use those accessories, can't you, to either add that add that accent of colour or without having to make everything super kind of patterned or anything like that, you can still get some really nice effects by how you use your accessories, can't you? Yes, yeah, definitely. So when you're picking your next project then, where will you start? So have you got, if what what's on your list next? You've mentioned a few things, I think. But. Yeah, so I've got, uh, in fact, I've just put the pockets on, <laughs> just so the pockets on before this, but um, and pants, which is the, the true bias pattern. And that's in keeping with this lockdown theme because I am wearing more. I would never have worn tracksuit bottoms, to be honest, before this. But now I am sort of like in the evening, I thought, oh, you know, off with the jeans, going to put something more comfortable on. So, uh, so they're on, they're on the machine virtually. And I've just got a done a twelve for a biker jacket. So it's funny that you mentioned that one before. Gosh, there were so many alterations I had to do though because I realised my posture is terrible. And I think, you know, I don't know if anybody else suffers with this, but I've got some like a rounded back. Yeah. So- in fact, in my Facebook Live next week, that's the alteration that I'm doing because I pretty much do that on every pattern. And I found yeah. it so helpful. It makes such a difference to how to how the front of the garment sits. You know, it sounds odd that fixing the back fixes the front, but actually it makes a big difference. It does. Yeah. I think my the back was about that much higher. Yeah. Um, my my back was taking up all that fabric so I'm having to do that as well so yeah so that adjustment and then arms seem to be getting bigger and all sorts of things so learning all those adjustments um that you need to make for yourself on your own pattern is really crucial for any project that you're doing so yeah so that's that's on the on the list and what else have I got I'm making the just a scout tea from grain line and it's in a woven fabric is this I've got on now so those I make just quite a few of those in plain colours um, so they're always you know there's always a couple of those cut out so uh, yeah that's that's about it at the moment but I think that will keep me busy for a while so I'm not getting as much time to sew at the moment so uh, my projects are having to be chosen quite carefully and are taking a lot longer but again it's like I was saying before I'm not rushing through things now I'm just taking my time and 
making things that I need. So, uh, yeah. And I think it does make you perhaps a bit more considered and precious with the time that you have got. Like you said, you know, you pick stuff that you really want to make and spend the time on it. So how do you picture things on you? Do you sketch or do you design in that way or is it more in your head? What's your sort of process for that? You have to go at sketching. <laughs> I have to say it's not my forte, but it does help. I mean, it does help. It doesn't matter how bad they turn out. It does help because you can get the proportions right. So, but no, I generally... It used to, as I said in the last podcast, it was through going trying things on to see what actually suits me. So then I'll have a good idea whether it's that style is going to be right for me um, when I've made it. So that avenue is temporarily suspended. I keep ordering things online and sending them back. Just you know, well, I, I don't buy clothes online, but I have bought a couple of jackets. And to try and buy two jackets, I think I must have had about eight delivered <laughs> because they just don't fit right. They're just no. oh, irritating and that's why I sew because I can make things that actually fit me properly and as you said it's it's such a long process now as well because just ordering them having them delivered sending them back is a lot more hassle than going just to the shop and grabbing a few off the rail and giving them a go isn't it it's it it does elongate that a little bit of the process as well I just find it fascinating it has given me definitely some more confidence and clues as to once we are allowed to go back out on the high street how I would approach it differently and and some steps for doing my research and then just going out and actually seeing some of these fabrics in real life and I think that will hopefully that will have helped a lot of the listeners as well think about the process that they can go through and even without being able to go in the shops you know sort of doing your research and learning a bit more as you mentioned as we've been chatting use this time to understand a bit more about the things that you like in your wardrobe the kind of fabrics your lifestyle because it sounds to me like you've got that pretty nailed in terms of your color scheme and the feel of the fabrics that you like or the types of fabrics and if people can use this time to get to that stage I think that would be really helpful for them you know when the shops are open to know what to go and look for can't it yeah I think one of the positive things about the internet is you can order samples though as I was saying before you can't get the the feel of them really by draping them and whatever but you can order them and save them and build yourself up like a little library so that when you're looking at a t-shirt pattern say you're going to know what weight is going to be right for that pattern so you know you might not necessarily use a loop back jersey because it might be too heavy but you might use a, a viscose jersey something that's a bit more fluidy and drapey so you'll get to know then what those fabrics feel like yeah and sort of match them up in your head to, to how you want this thing to feel so you know when you're thinking about the clothes that you've already got look at those that you wear constantly they're the ones that you need to be emulating and that's the fabric that you need to be finding but you'll find it's really really difficult because you know obviously manufacturers have this stuff made and to come across it is really difficult I think that's another really interesting thing is the actual shops where do you actually go for your fabric so you know that's a whole other <laughs> other ball game so uh, but yeah so to build up a library of your samples your swatches and then just keep you know keep them all there and then build up in your head that knowledge of how they feel and how they work as well so that's quite a useful thing that I've found anyway over the years so yeah I'm a huge advocate of that and I think even especially more so now you know you mentioned near the beginning about there's a lot more different types of fabric so it used to be you'd get a cotton and you get a linen and you'd get something else but 
they're getting so much more um, advanced in terms of blending fabrics and using slightly different kind of construction techniques, you know, weaving techniques and those kind of things. So you can definitely from your own clothes, just have a look at the label and just start to pay attention to maybe some of the fibres that they use, you know, is it cotton? Has it got a percentage of elastane or something like that? And what percentages? So, you know, I definitely found it really helpful. I ordered we were looking for a really soft linen blend and I wasn't really sure kind of what it should be blended with or what to look for. So I ordered some different types and it was, it was really a different, you know, the kind of feel and the texture, but it was super helpful to work out what I did like or what I didn't like that would have worked for that project. And it was a lot less linen content than I had originally thought it might be. And a lot more, I think it's rayon. It might've been blended with something like that. So doing that kind of thing can be really helpful, particularly for specific types of combinations of, of fibers. The other thing you mentioned there, which I think is really important as well, is to try and find the websites that tell you the weights of the fabrics. Because yes. again, you don't always get that in the shop. You can get a sense of it obviously, because you can feel it, I suppose, but but yeah, if you can start to get in your head an understanding of what what that weight means. So they're usually measured in grams per square meter. So what does 100 grams per square meter feel like compared to, you know, 300 grams per square meter? And and equally in terms of how they're constructed. So if it's a, a much looser type of fabric, then because you mentioned about the Linton tweeds, didn't you, earlier? Uh, then again the weight might be a little bit deceiving in terms of because it's got lots of air in it you know it's not got as much fibers but it might still be quite a a thick fabric because it doesn't always tell you when you get the sample so whenever I'm ordering them I write it down when I'm ordering and then when I get the sample I kind of stick it onto my bit of paper that's got the details on well, well, how would you call it? Well, it wasn't a mistake. It was a mistake, I suppose. I ordered some black cotton because I ended up making scrubs right at the beginning of this lockdown. And at that time, getting fabric was really, really difficult. Everybody was buying it up and it didn't matter what it was. It was just going. So I managed to find this lady who um, she said she got this black poly cotton and I never asked what the weight was. Stupidly, it was a really silly error. Anyway, she sent me this stuff. And I made just two sample sets of scrubs, but I knew immediately when I got it, it was too lightweight. <laughs> so anyway, they went off, I gave them, I think they went to the hospice, and uh, but they've been fine, to be honest, because it was summer, and they yeah. washed really quickly, so they were quite pleased with it. But I was just, you know, it is important to look at the weight of the fabric, definitely. Yeah, so that's that's that's. A little bit of a mistake but it worked out all right at the end so it's one of those things where it's like oh well it happened and and now you'll know to ask so yeah I mean fantastic and we perhaps will do another another chat if you're free to go through you mentioned you know a really good topic which is where do you go to buy your fabric if you do want to go and see these things and and yeah any tips on that I think I'm sure the listeners would love to know I think in the UK, we're, we're very lucky. There are lots of great places, but finding them can sometimes be a bit of a challenge. I'm not sure it's as well promoted as it might be. So yeah, that, that'd be really helpful. But yeah, anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we finish up today? This will probably lead into the next one, but fabric buying for me isn't just about the fabric. It's about the memories and the people that you go with and you know the actual fabric itself is important, but occasionally... You know, there'll be a time where, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of fabric shopping with my mum and we've, we've just had such a lovely time. Oh, I mean, I've just found, in fact, <laughs> this piece of paper that was on my notice board and it must have been there for a couple of years. And it's the actual itinerary of our day out to London. Uh, and it 
and we went to um, it's, it's like 8 30 leave home ticket sandwiches umbrella and money <laughs> No, basically arrived at Euston and then we went to Kensington Palace to see the Lady Di exhibition of her dresses, which was beautiful. But then it was like, leave Kensington Palace, Mice and West, Berwick Street. And then it's like, oh, where else do we go? Uh, the Berwick Street cloth shop, uh, cloth house. And it's just a long list of shops that we were going to for this massive day out. But, you know, we, we bought things that day that I really, really treasure because it was just such a lovely, fun day and uh, not something we'll probably repeat on that scale ever again. But, you know, things like going to Birmingham to the rag market with, with my friend and stuff that we bought there and occasionally you'll get a piece of fabric and I'll have it in my stash and I'll keep taking it out and taking it out and I can't use it because it's just too precious to chop up. So, uh, so I think that will probably be part of um, you know the next the next chapter, say, because the shopping experience and where you go is is I think it just brings your sewing to life really because it you it adds value to what you're making and each each shop each place so it's unique and there's some wonderful wonderful places around the country that you know we've got to know over the years so uh, so yeah so that that's my that's my parting shot <laughs> <laughs> basically a teaser for the next one <laughs> I like it you, <laughs> you're very good at this Claire you're very good <laughs> fantastic well yeah I mean it's been it's been brilliant and thanks to everybody the listeners that got in touch with Claire after the last one I think it was it's really lovely to start this community and this dialogue and Claire had mentioned last time about the beauty of Instagram and it being able to connect, you know, people about a common hobby and a common kind of pastime that we're all involved in. I think, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I always love to hear how other people do things. I think it just really intrigues me. And so it's been great to just have a little, a little explore from your perspective, Claire. So thank you so much for spending the time. I really appreciate it. And um, we will definitely be catching up again. <laughs> so get, we'll book the next one after this. <laughs> like the next three years that's right hello and here's claire again and episode 936 (laughs) but yeah brilliant so so thanks very much and thanks everyone for listening and hopefully you've enjoyed this episode as much as i have and we'll catch you again next time thank you for having me jackie well that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening check out the show notes in the description area of your podcast app and click to follow or subscribe or head over to sewmindful.com forward slash podcast, which is S-E-W-M-I-N-D-F-U-L dot com, where you can also sign up for an email reminder so that you don't miss out on any juicy episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please help others find us by leaving a review if you love this episode. And I'm always excited to find out what you got from the episode and how you plan to use the tips. And finally, if you have a question, feedback, or a topic you'd like me to investigate, then you can also email me at hello at so muchmorefun.co.uk. So until next time, stay gorgeous and have so much more fun. <laughs>